September 20th, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin and Afkof Zayin Amud Bet. If you count from the top, it's four lines down, just the fifth word on the line. Says the Gemara, Amar lefanav ribono shel olam meholi al oto avon. David HaMelech turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says to the Master of the Universe, Give me forgiveness for that sin, for my wrongdoing with Bacheva. Mahud lecha answers HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the understanding of the Hachamim and their reconstruction. Mahud lecha, you have full forgiveness. Ase imi ot letoba v'yiru sonai ve'evoshu ki ata Adonai azartani v'nihamtani HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Make a sign, perform an ot, a wonder of some sort. So that those who are oyevai, those who are my enemies, those who are the naysayers who speak wrongfully about me, they'll see it, they'll be embarrassed, they'll understand, I changed my ways, God forgave me, the matter has been settled because people are talking about me, people are talking badly about me as we read in the past, as we know from the Pesukim and Tehillim, David's fears and realizations of that sort. Amar answers HaKadosh Baruch to David, Behayecha eni modi'alecha. I won't be able to show you and notify you of that forgiveness in a public fashion in your life. Aval ani binecha. I'm going to do so after your death. That'll be a full forgiveness. That'll be a realization to your enemies. You need to, over the course of the rest of your life, live out a certain embarrassed living. You need to, in some way or fashion, achieve kapara through that realization, through introspecting as a result of those feelings of discomfort from others. But after your death, I'll notify, through my actions in this world, anyone and everyone that you were forgiven. Here's what happens, say the Chachamim, at the time that Shelomo HaMelech is constructing the Mikdash, Bikesh Le'achnis Aron, his vision, of course, his will is to bring in the centerfold of the Mikdash. What's that? What's the centerpiece, rather? That's the Aaron. He wants to enter the Aaron into the Bet Kotcheh Kodashim. However, the gates of the Kotcheh Kodesh Kodashim were glued one to the other. He just couldn't get them open. He wants to bring the Aaron into there. He wants to really settle the sanctuary with the entrance of the ark. He prays 24 calls of prayer. Seems to be cited from the Pesukim in Divrei Hayamim Bet, where there are, if you count up, says Rashi, the amount of times that there's reference to Tefillah or Renana or Tehina rather, in the context of. Uh, the tefillah of Shalomu uh, HaMelech, Ika, says Rashi, there are 24. So that's the 24. There's 24 calls of mercy, of request for entrance from Shalomu. Velo na'ana, but he's still not answered. The gates won't open. Amar, he even exclaims, He cites these Pesukim from Tehillim in which he's asking the gates to open and the entrance of Melech HaKabod, the Shekhinah is going to enter with the Aaron into Kodesh HaKodashim. He's requesting in a public fashion, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, open up the gates and enter. We want your glory. We seek your presence. However, Kevan She'amar, when he finally says the following pasuk from Divrei Hayamim Bet, Adonai Elohim al-Tashef p'nei Meshichecha, Zochra le David Abdecha, 
when he turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and mentions the merit of his father David, Miyad Na'anat, at that time that he's responded, and at that time, as people see it, as they're beholding the scene of the gates finally opening after mention of David, the faces of the enemies of David, not in the, in the uh, actual, uh, this worldly sense, but it means that their faces, if you're to imagine them, they become crestfallen, they become become blackened, in other words, embarrassed and filled with grief, like the bottom of a pot, a pot which is placed before you had stainless steel on fire, the bottom of it becomes very blackened and charred. That's what their faces from rov busha, from embarrassment, are filled with And as a result, everyone in Am Yisrael is aware of the fact that he's forgiven. No. No, so the reference is that Shil not per se. The reference is that Shilomo, which ones? Oh, in no. The reference is that that Shilomo is copying those words in this moment, the same way you and I would mention Tehillim in X circumstance or Y circumstance. So Shilomo is referencing that not necessarily for the first time, but he's mentioning it in that context. What's that? The David's words. That's our assumption. Says the Gemara, okay, we have one more person to deal with with regards to uh, not being allowed in the specifics from our first Mishnah and the Perik, the only one we've really dealt with thus far, uh, into Olam Haba, and that's this individual's name was Gehazi, who was this helper of sorts of Elisha, whom we know a little bit about. We certainly know how he was punished in his lifetime with Sara'at, how there's a promise that his descendants will have Sara'at as well. What was it that he fully did in the absolute sense to bar him entrance into Olam Haba. Again, we have a small story which we'll reference in the Gemara, but what was it beyond that that we envision as his real wrongdoing? Gehazi, first and foremost, let's pay attention to the Pesukim with regards to Gehazi, how we'll somehow find a hint to the fact that Gehazi was not allowed or would not enter into Olam Haba. Dikhtiv, as the Pasuk says, Maharsha points out the Pasuk does not have the word Vayelech, and he thinks the Derasha and the Gemara is really from this word Vayelech, but the Pasuk rather says Vayavo. But okay, the Chachamim are being Doresh in one way or another. This Pasuk Vayavo, or they have it as Vayelech Elisha Damesek. So he's arriving or he's walking toward Damascus. Lehecha Azal. Why is he going to Damascus? Amar Biyohanan Shehalach Lehahazir Gehazi Beteshuba Velo Hazar. The vision, the description of Biyohanan is that Elisha, again the mentor of Gehazi, whom we'll talk about his wrongdoings in just a moment again, was on his way to speak to his, uh, his helper, to his sidekick Gehazi, trying to inspire him to Teshubah, but he would not be Hoser B'Teshubah. Amar lo hazor becha, says Elisha to Gehazi, do Teshubah, turn be able to change your ways. I have a tradition from you, my master, my teacher, Elisha. Isn't the tradition that a person who both sins and causes others to sin doesn't have a chance, uh, has no opportunity to truly repent. And as a result, all hope is lost not worth my time, not worth your time. I'm not going to do Teshubah. My Avad, what was it that Gehazi did? We understand that he's not inspired to do Teshubah, that he's uh, relentless in his 
charge against Elisha that he's not interested. But what was it that brought him to this lowly state? Ikadamre says the Gemara, one of three interpretations with regards to his hote umahatiyat rabim, his sin and sinfulness which inspired others to sin. First and foremost, some suggest, He set up some sort of magnetic uh, uh, construction. He had a magnet on one side, a magnet on the other, on the other side, and then you have Yeravam's idols in the middle, which were, or he inserted some sort of metal force into them, and by putting these strong magnets on each side, he caused the idol to rise, and it appeared as if it was hovering between heaven and earth. People looked at it, saw a certain deity status to these idols, to this circumstance, and were inspired by Yeravam and Gehazi's doing to worship them, which means to say he inspired in the wrongful sense the people to worship Avodah through his ingenuity. Says the Gemara Kadamre, alternatively, there's a different approach to what Gehazi specifically, particularly did wrong, Shem Hakak Befiha. He placed, in some way or fashion, the name, the Shem HaMeforash of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the mouth of the idol of Yerav Am Ben Avat, Machrezet Ve'omeret. And when people would come by, because of the force of that name, because of some sort of connection that he was able to create, to construct, the idol would seemingly be saying, Anochi velo lecha. It would be speaking the first two of the Aseret Tadabirot. I'm your God, I took you out of Egypt, you shouldn't have other gods. And you're looking at this idol, you're looking at this circumstance, and getting either confused or inspired to worship. And lastly, the approach, maybe a little bit more this-worldly, a little bit more relatable, Rabbanan Daha Mikameh. He would push aside the aspiring um, scholars, the people who had questions and wanted to study together with Elisha. He'd push them out of the way. He'd tell them in some way or fashion, the, the prophet doesn't have time for you. In other words, as people were lining up, as people were entering in, he'd be pushing them out of the way. He was not only hote, but he was mahatiya tarabim by not giving them the opportunity. How do you know that, that uh, the first two just seem to be going based on tradition? There's no reference per se in the Pesukim. This last one, the Gemara has a reference. It has a remez. Shene'emar, as the Pasuk says, Vayomeru el Elisha, after Gehazi's disappearance from the scene. So the Bnei Hanevi'im, the aspiring prophets, turn to Elisha and they say, yoshevim sar They turn to him and they say, the place where we study with you, where we sit in front of you, is very narrow. Miklal de Adhashata, Lahavu Sar. It means that until that moment, after Gehazi's off the scene, it was not so narrow. But he hadn't changed his location. It was just that now there were more, pe- more people allowed in. The fact that he was pushing them out of the way meant there was potentially more space. Now that they're allowed in, so they realize that it's very narrow. They need to open up the space. It's so to speak, Elisha never realized how popular he could or would be. When Gehazi was on the scene, he was hote umahatiya tarabim. Says the Gemara, with regards to the approach of Elisha, in dealing with his student Gehazi, we can learn a lesson on what not to do. Tanura Banan the Beraita teaches Le'olam at all times to Hesimol Dohe or Doha Viamin Mekarevet. Your left hand should be pushing away a person who's 
on the wrong path, who's sinning or maybe speaking or thinking wrongfully, you want to have the statement of what they're doing is wrong, but at the same time, yamin, the stronger hand, should be mekarevet. It's important to strike a balance, but it's not even a perfect balance. Your rebuke, your way of sending them aside and pitting them, so to speak, on the right path is outweighed by your smile, by your hug, by your embrace with your right hand. Lo, learn to do the opposite of ke'elisha, who pushed away his student with both hands. Now, the reason I brought this Gemara today is because unlike the Gemara that I use regularly, this Gemara has two inserts over here, the first one right on this line, and the next one to come. It's ironic because the other Gemara, when we had the Sugyot earlier in the Masechet about Yeshu HaNosri, that Gemara had the censored edition. This time, this Gemara does. Go figure. Anyway, it says as well from in the pre-censored edition of the Gemara, Velo, you should also learn to not be like, not only Elisha's action to his student um, and not like Yoshua ben Prahya, apparently the teacher of Yeshua Hanosri, who pushed him away as well with two hands, meaning there was no look to be mekarev. He was going off the path, he had done something, he was doing things wrong, pushed him away without looking at the same time to bring him in. Let's go through each of these. First and foremost, Gehazi dikhtiv, the case of Gehazi. Uh, the Pasuk says with regards to what happened. Now here's what happens in the text of the Navi. Uh, Naaman, who is a uh, sarsava for Aram, who's a general for Aram, has sarat. He gets leprosy. He's looking for a cure. He's told, the Gemara will give some details on how he gets that instruction. He's told to go speak to Elisha. He goes to Elisha and Elisha tells him, immerse yourself, be tovel, dip yourself in the Yardin, in the Jordan River, and that will cure you. Indeed, it happens. Naaman wants to reward Elisha with a present. Elisha doesn't want it. Elisha is not interested in it. But Gehazi goes and takes it without telling Elisha and against the will of Elisha, and Elisha rebukes him for it. As a result, Gehazi emerges with Sarat. That's the story as we know it in the Navi. But listen to some of the details. Dikhtiv, the Pasuk says, Vayom Naaman, the Pasuk says with regards to again, Naaman, the Aramean, Vayom Naaman, Ho'il Kah Kikaraim, Vayifros Bo. Vayasar kikraim kesef bishne haritim, ushte halifot begadim, vayiten el shenene arav, vayisu lefanav. So Naaman uh, is persistent. He makes certain that these silver things are given over to Gehazi in addition to some clothing. That's what the Pasuk describes. Again, Gehazi wrongfully takes them, but listen to the rebuke of Elisha to Gehazi when he realizes what happened. Vayomer elav Elisha. Elisha now responds afterwards to Gehazi. Me'ain Gehazi. Where'd Gehazi go? Vayomer. He responds, Gehazi, of course, lying in the moment. He says, I didn't go anywhere. Says Elisha, I'm well aware of what happened over here. I know that you took the silver, 
Secondly, you took clothing. That much we know he actually took. But listen to what Elisha adds. That's two things. Zetim, what's that? Olives, keramim, or, um, vineyards. Son, ubakar, cattle and flock and sheep. Avadim, slaves, ushvahot, and maidservants. That's eight things. So Elisha's claim to Gehazi is, I know exactly what happened. You took eight things from Naaman. It's not so. We know, reading the Pesukim, he only took two things. He only took Kesef, he took that silver, and he took as well the clothing. Why is it that Elisha adds in those six additional things? Says the Gemara, umishakal kulehai. Did he really take that much? Meaning, Gehazi from Naaman. All he took was, and again, he wrongfully took it, but he took silver and clothing. Why does the Pasuk have Elisha expressing, remarking to him, why did you take all those things? Says the Gemara, At that time period, in the imagination of the Hachamim, Elisha was in the midst of studying the laws of the eight Shirazim. It happens to be Mishnah, the beginning of one of the Perakim, Masechet Shabbat, it's called Shimona Shirazim. The eight Shirazim are these creeping, creepy crawlers which have a way of bringing Tum'ah to a person. The Torah seems to tell us eight things, and so it was those eight things, imagine as well, in the moment why the Hachamim are talking about this, because we know the number of things that he's going to accuse Gehazi of taking is eight, right? So they're going to link it up to this Shemona Shirasim. All right, that's what's to come. Naaman Sarsava Melcharam Hayam Esorait. At the time that Elisha is studying Shemona Shirasim and Naaman gets Sarat. There was a woman who was taken captive from uh, Eris Israel, who's there present with Naaman, perhaps attending to his wife. If you were to go, Naaman, my general, our general, to Elisha, Maselach, he would cure you. Kiata, when indeed uh, Naaman goes to Elisha, he'll do anything to get rid of the Sarat. Amar tebol go and immerse yourself, dip in the Jordan River. Amar responds Naaman to Elisha, you're just laughing at me. I'm going to dip in the Jordan, that's going to solve my Sarat, come on. The people who were together with Naaman say to him, I mean, What's the difference? You think he's playing with you? Try it. He gave you a suggestion. We know he's a wise person. It's not going to work. You're, ner- you're nervous. Uh, what, what's going to happen? Worst case scenario, you immerse yourself in the, in, the, in the river and nothing happens. Go and try it. Test him out. If anything, if he's lying to you, you could punish him. He indeed goes, Naaman does, the Aramean, and he immerses in the Yardin, in the Jordan River, and he's cured. He comes and he arrives to Elisha holding the silver and the clothing, trying to get Elisha to take them. Uh, Elisha won't uh, accept them. Saveh means to want. He doesn't want to accept them. Gehazi iftar mikame Elisha. Gehazi walks away, separates himself from Elisha. Azal he walks shakal maide shakal ve'ifkid. He takes that which he took, the silver and the clothing, and he hides it. He, st- he stores it away in his home or in, with his possessions. Ki ata when he arrives back together with his master, with his teacher, his mentor Elisha. Hazia Elisha le'sarat ahava parcha ilavereshe. He sees on Gehazi that there's sarat 
growing out of his head. Amar le turns Elisha to his student, Gehazi Rasha, wicked one. Higia etli tosechar shemona sherasim. Has the time arrived to receive? the reward for the study of Shemona Sheratim. Again, we're studying Torah, Shemona Sheratim, these eight creepy crawling creatures. However, you, instead of accepting the reward of Torah in the future, you've received, and that's why he mentions eight things, in this world, says the Pasuk, The Pasuk says about Gehazi, that Elisha curses him and says about him, you will now and your descendants have, like Naaman, this Sara'at leprosy forevermore. It's you and your descendants going forward. All right, that's where we'll pause in the Gemara. Keep in mind, there's the censored version in the next few lines, because that was the story about Gehazi, how Elisha is unwilling to bring him in. He's just rebuking him. Now we'll have to see the story as well with regards to Elisha, which is again censored out of the Gemara. I don't know if it's in your Gemara. If it's not, I'll take a picture and send it in the chat. We could follow from that tomorrow. Baruch Amen, amen.